Good evening, Christian Esquera, and welcome to this episode of After the Fact, where we get to see things more clearly. We get a better sense of the truth. Let's begin by dissecting the news. 12 years ago today, a private army of the local Ampatuan warlord in the province of Maguindanao murdered 58 people, riddling their convoy of vehicles with bullets. Among them were 32 journalists and media workers covering another local politician's challenge to the powerful Ampatuan clan in the 2010 elections. Now, to conceal the gruesome crime, the murderers dug a pit, dumped the bodies there, and covered it loosely with soil, perhaps believing that indeed that could cover their tracks. The murderers, including the Ampatuan masterminds, were subsequently convicted. Today, we remember this deadly attack on the We could also look at the state of this freedom and why it should matter as Filipinos choose their next leaders in 2022. Now, be part of our discussion. Send us your questions and comments on our YouTube live chat or tweet us using the hashtag ANCAfterTheFact. Joining us tonight is University of the Philippines Diliman Journalism Professor Danilo Arau and Mr. Virgil Santos, who is a board of trustee, a member of the board of uh, trustee, at the Center for Media Freedom and Responsibility. Good evening, gentlemen, and thank you for joining us again on the program. Yes. Good, evening. Good evening. The Ampatuan or the Maguindanao massacre 12 years ago was often de- uh, described as the uh, deadliest attack on the free press. But of course, we're commemorating it uh, now. There's still a lot of unfinished business regarding that. But I'd like to start this conversation with um, with other equally serious challenges confronting the Philippine media, especially heading into the 2022 elections. Let's start with that. Um, Professor Arau, let's start with you. Uh, of course, there are a lot of issues that need to be discussed uh, pertaining to the media. Uh, without preempting you, your future questions, of course, candidates uh, should be challenged to present their media agenda, and uh, they should take a firm stand on press freedom. Uh, I've said it time and again that ABS-CBN can be a campaign issue uh, in the sense that uh, the closure uh, of the free TV and free radio uh, would need to be further scrutinized because there were politicians running for election who claimed that uh, what happened was just simply a violation of the law and that there was no such thing as press freedom. So that's one aspect. Perhaps the other aspect on a theoretical level, Christian, would be to confront the government on what it thinks of culture of impunity. If you would read the order establishing the presidential task force on media security, it only presents the premise that there is a semblance of impunity in the country. There's no direct admission of it. In the case of the Philippine National Police, they would claim that culture of impunity does not exist. And uh, 10 years later, when there was a promulgation on the partial decision of the Ampatuan massacre, uh, the PT forms and the PCOO had a, uh, had a joint statement with the Philippine Committee for Human Rights, which is under Malacanang as well, stating that there is now the end of culture of impunity. So right now, the fundamental uh, problem that we're facing here is we have a government that seems to deny culture of impunity. So how can you solve a problem at the government level when, in your perspective, it does not exist? That's the paradox right now with regard to press freedom. Okay. Uh, Mr. Santos, would you agree that denialism of impunity is oh, yeah. a very serious problem that we're uh, dealing now? It is. I can't understand all these denials. 
Because largely, the nature of politics in this country is dynastic. And uh, these things like Maguindanao happened because of dynastic politics. It's an extreme case, of course, because dynasties, political dynasties, are prepared to go, uh, to, go to such lengths as, for instance, murder, and in the case of Maguindanao, uh, a massacre. Uh, this is the very nature of Philippine politics. That's why, um, but uh, we are not to, to, um, to uh, exonerate the media themselves, because uh, you, you can imagine that the line between professional practice and, uh, and uh, fraudulent uh, practice is, is, is so blurred. You don't really know. You know very well that uh, politicians um, uh, have uh, their own newspaper stations, their own oil, oil um, online, online uh, platforms, and they are themselves employing people who disguise themselves as uh, as media practitioners. So there is a. There is much more that will be required of professional uh, news people uh, in, in these elections because of dynastic politics and because of technology, I think. Okay. Well, we know that the, the uh, Ampatuan massacre was uh, very gruesome indeed, and there were conviction, convictions already in 2019. But let's talk about the other assault uh, on the free press afterward, which came after. And especially, we've, we've talked about this uh, on a number of occasions, the, the assault on the media under the current administration of President Rodrigo Duterte. And they think uh, this should be a campaign issue. Uh, Professor Arau? Definitely, it should be. Uh, for the simple reason that press freedom is said to be the cornerstone of democracy. So if democracy is important to the people, then uh, we should give due diligence to any assault uh, on the institution uh, of press freedom. Uh, because an attack on the press is basically an attack on democracy in the same way that an attack on one news media organization should be considered an attack on all the others. Uh, right now, we have to battle you know, all those misleading uh, claims that uh, press freedom is alive and well in the country uh, just because the thousands upon thousands of news media organizations are not affected uh, allegedly by the closure of ABS-CBN or even the harassments uh, and intimidation done against Rappler as well as the alternative media. Red tagging is real in the same way that the media killings uh, are also glaring manifestations of culture of impunity. So the basic challenge right now, Christian, uh, for the journal, uh, for the candidates, is to really be confronted by journalists on what they stand, uh, on how they stand with regard to press freedom, and once and for all, uh, tell tell the public what their media agenda would be if they would uh, win uh, in the elections. Okay, Mr. Santos, do you think um, how do you think uh, this should be uh, more effectively communicated? Uh, press freedom as a campaign issue because it might also risk uh, falling in the same category as uh, human rights. It's so big, it's so abstract as a campaign issue. So how do you put it first, in more? In first of all, we must, yeah, yeah, first of all, we must understand that the predictable targets 
of, um, of this regime or any dynastic politician would be the professional journalist, you know? I mean, the other, the other journalists are either theirs or they don't care about them because there would not be a problem. So it is the professional journalists who, are, who will be in trouble here. In fact, if you look at, uh, there have been 21 journalists killed in, in, in the country. Um, of course, it, it would be, it would be um, sweeping to presume that all those journalists are professional ones. But you can understand that they are either, um, they are either people giving um, certain politicians a hard time, you know, um, but whether they are professional or belonging to, uh, to, a, rival, to a rival political camp is another matter. But the, the problem is the only way to, uh, for professional journalists to be able to, to, to somehow um, to somehow uh, make people understand uh, uh, their job, and not only their job, but um, the, but what what reporting should be should be relied upon and what should not be is by the quality of their work, you know. And by quality of their work, you know, today you cannot just report what happened yesterday, you know. Uh, you will um, reporting today will require a great deal of of explanation, a great deal of understanding of the history and um, the interplay of forces working in a society to to be able to to do its job very well. It's very hard to be a journalist today, and then apart from that, you are threatened and targeted, so, so that uh, even those professional journalists who otherwise would um, would be doing the work uh, um, uh, well, uh, have become timid. It's because of these things. So it's, 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 so, it's so hard to, to, to practice the profession today, precisely because of those things. Yeah. And the case, uh, Professor Aro, earlier you, you mentioned that um, we should clarify with the candidates as to their stand regarding press freedom, right? But so far, are you seeing any of those candidates, specifically, specifically those running for president, confronting this issue head on? Or that perhaps to them, this is just a side issue because this is very far yeah. from being a gut issue to a lot of uh, prospective voters? Yeah. Actually, uh, you're right in saying that press freedom is too abstract a term. So that's why there's a need to further concretize it. Now, uh, to address your first point a while ago, there are some candidates uh, who have taken a stand uh, regarding, or made promises rather, uh, regarding uh, providing the franchise uh, for ABS-CBN if they win, or at least they're open-minded about it. So mainly it's a review uh, of the current Duterte administration, and uh, you, you wouldn't be surprised if certain candidates uh, would be a bit braver now in confronting Duterte because uh, they're because uh, Duterte would be practically a lame duck president between now until May. But uh, the problem there, Christian, is that you're right, it's not seen as a gut issue, even if uh, hunger for information should be uh, felt uh, by the public. Uh, what's interesting with regard to May 9 uh, elections is that uh, six days before that, which is May 3, 
uh, that would be World Press Freedom Day. So we can uh, perhaps uh, uh, use uh, that particular opportunity to drum up uh, the need uh, for press freedom as a campaign issue. And then, of course, May 5 uh, would be that uh, fateful day in which the NPC decided uh, on the cease and desist order uh, against uh, ABS-CBN. But of course, May uh, would be a little bit too late. So between now and uh, uh, the May 9 uh, elections, uh, even before the campaign period, uh, there should be conversations with candidates. Uh, and I think media would be in a unique position to ask such probing questions because uh, the candidates need the media uh, to uh, put forward their messages. So perhaps the current affairs programs and news programs uh, should try to devote some time uh, to ask uh, such probing questions and not okay. just deal with, uh, you know, personality-oriented politics. Okay. Uh, Mr. Santos, I remember when uh, ABS-CBN was shut down and that uh, 70 congressmen voted against the franchise of ABS-CBN. At least online people were very adamant about the idea of exacting accountability from this 70 congressmen during the 2022 elections. But of course, you mentioned the power of dynastic politics in certain yes. areas or in many areas. Many of these uh, congressmen are actually controlling the, the different positions. In some cases, they don't have any uh, opponents. How optimistic are you that uh, this kind of uh, reality check yeah. <laughs> would actually you, happen, you asked, that they would be exactly account, exa that they would be uh, uh, the, made the, account, held accountable? Yes. Uh, the, well, the media certainly should not forget what happened to ABS-CBN. And uh, in fact, the people should be reminded all the time, especially in these times, uh, who these people um, voting for the uh, against the franchise of ABS-CBN were? I think they, the people should be reminded. I don't know whether there is enough time uh, for a um, for a strong enough campaign um, that would make uh, these candidates understand that press freedom is uh, is an issue in this election. I don't know about that. If you ask every one of them, they'll probably say, well, of course I am for press freedom. Of course I, I, would, have, I would have voted for, um, for, the, for the franchise of ABS-CBN. Of course I wouldn't, um, in, my, in my time, uh, target any newspaper person. Of course you can get all these promises. It's so easy to give such promises. You have to look at the, uh, at the record press freedom record of all these people. And it, the only way that the media can make these people and the public understand that press freedom is a premier freedom. And without press freedom, uh, the nation itself would be, would be much less free than they are, is to make these people pay for that in the elections. And I cannot understand that's why I, I always say that um, certain news people tend to, to, uh, to take certain uh, virtues preached for, um, for media wrongly, you know, like, like objectivity and, and, and balance and those things. I don't go for these things. I only go for 
for truth and truth and fairness. And I think it is fair to remind the people that these are the these are the Congress people who did not who, who voted against against press freedom in in every sense, not voting for the franchise, going after Rappler, and uh, being um, well somehow being uh, involved in cases uh, of making life difficult for press people like us. I think yeah. people should be reminded. As I always say in uh, certain forums, uh, politicians and their adherents or their ilk usually accuse uh, reporters of being biased with an ED. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> unless, they unless they report favorably. Yeah, because about all they their want, candidates. Exactly, because all they want is public relations. They tend to mistake uh, journalism with positive reportage on them, which is in that, in, Oh, in that case, Professor Ara, how should the the media cover this all important election campaign for 2022? Usually, there's this uh, misplaced idea that equal space, equal time yeah. is, of course. Uh, equivalent to objectivity. And again, I don't want to spend the rest of this uh, segment um, informing people again about the idea of objectivity, okay? Uh, but but in terms of covering it, uh, how do you think the media should cover uh, the, the election campaign? Uh, two words, uh, critical analysis would be the key here. Uh, and uh, in relation to that, uh, we have to remove uh, the usual routine of, let's say, embedded reporting or even uh, having uh, news and current affairs programs for sale uh, to uh, certain candidates. Because right now, studies have shown that uh, in terms of dealing with the media, uh, there are certain news media organizations that would allow for airtime to be paid for uh, by certain candidates and political parties. So that compromises critical analysis. So embedded reporting should be avoided at all costs so that uh, we can better uh, rotate not just uh, the reporters, but also provide fresh perspectives uh, on, uh, with regard to what's happening on the ground. So, so uh, you're, because, you're not in favor yeah, of uh, just just for the uh, information of our sure. viewers. So you're talking about your when you mentioned the embedded reporting during the campaign. You have a group of reporters coming from different news organizations, yes. tailing particular candidates, and they are embedded in the campaign. Uh, Yes, uh, that's one aspect. But the other aspect of embedded reporting is when you have one reporter uh, all throughout the campaign period just yeah. simply uh, focusing, uh, on one. focusing on one candidate. Uh, that tends to provide one-sided reporting uh, because uh, you tend to be too familiar uh, with certain sources of information and sometimes uh, you tend to compromise on the need to be fair, uh, as Bernhel correctly mentioned. So it's best to provide some rotation or at least orient properly the journalists that we need to critically analyze everything. And if you need to be hard hitting on the candidate that's assigned to you or the political party that's assigned to you, then you have the right to do that. Uh, you don't okay. need to be too uh, you know, uh, sub subjective uh, in your uh, reportage to the point where you favor only their side of the story. Oh. Yeah, Mr. Santos, do you think that would help? Do away with this uh, kind of uh, coverage? Uh, you, you, probably, you, you, you probably can't, but, but you know, gatekeeping and editing are very important here. Editors and gatekeepers are, um, are healthily distant from, from the events, and they somehow are able to get an idea of what's happening out there by being able to, to, uh, to access uh, reporting not only by their own people, but by others. 
you know? And in, on the basis of what they see, uh, the crop of stories that they see from, from everyone, they should be able to determine as editors where their own person might be failing or, or um, where there might be a need for something, for a bolder, uh, for, for a bolder way of, of observing things. You know, the gatekeepers and, and editors should be able to do that. Because mm -hmm. even right now, I see that there, I, I watch the news, I read the news, and there are questions in my mind that come up that are not answered at all. And I, I think they're quite basic. Now, if I may give an example, um, there is a whole lot of, 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 um, of fuss going around about candidates uh, for president having to undergo drug testing. You know, and then there is this candidate who comes with a result and uh, submits a, a result. And the media, I, I don't remember the media even asking if uh, this candidate actually underwent tests in the prescribed way. You know, the prescribed way. Um, uh, watched by, 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 by the authorities and not, uh, not by uh, pub, uh, private doctors in a private clinic. I, I mean, as a, uh, as a news consumer, I'd like to know, did uh, this candidate submit a result or this, did this candidate submit to the prescribed test? Mm -hmm. Do you, do you, do you have an idea whether this happened that way at all? In short, not oh, just accept that book, line and sinker. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yes. okay. Uh, Professor Aro, how about the, the pressure coming from political propagandists, campaign strategists, the politicians and the candidates themselves? The pressure that they exert, not just on the journalists, but all other media workers in a news organization, for instance, or even the owners. How can that be handled or resisted during the, uh, the campaign? Uh, of course, it can be resisted by exposing uh, whatever pressure there may be. Uh, actually, there are a lot of behind-the-scenes stories in journalism uh, that should be properly disclosed to the public. Uh, we can start perhaps with something as fundamental as media ownership, uh, disclosure of potential conflicts of interest. And then uh, on the flip side would be uh, whatever pressures uh, they may have. Uh, we have to reaffirm the editorial independence of the newsroom and we cannot let uh, any uh, pressure from the outside or even within the news media organization uh, affect uh, the critical reportage that's necessary right now. Uh, actually, there's a silver lining to this uh, uh, incident uh, regarding the alleged theft uh, of the symbol of a particular mall, uh, you know, somewhere there. Uh, because uh, that particular PR stunt uh, exposed the reality of how uh, advertising and public relations would get in the way uh, of reportage and how native advertising is unacceptable uh, in responsible journalism. So in the same breath, in, in terms of election reportage, uh, nothing should get in the way of uh, critical uh, reportage. And I think the best way to resist such pressures would be to openly expose them. Uh, and once the public knows about it, uh, our hope is that uh, there would be uh, second thoughts on the part of these nefarious characters to impede on the actually, independence of the press. Actually, yes. that's what precisely what we're doing now. Exactly. <laughs> Talking about these things more openly. 
Exactly. You can, you can actually mention the news organization involved. But of course, discussions like this are not meant to demonize the industry itself. No, because no. you don't want the, the discussion to swing at the other extreme of the yeah. pendulum, meaning to hate the industry because there's no industry that can be deemed uh, perfect. Mr. Santos, for instance, let's also talk about, before we end, let's talk about the lessons from how media covered the 2016 presidential election and what can we all learn from that uh, going into the 2022 elections. For instance, the, the tendency to, to focus on the soundbites, clips that could go viral, <laughs> or perhaps the loudest candidate ending up controlling the conversation or the narrative without exactly providing substance. What can we draw out of that particular experience? Well, you will you will require uh, more, more skillful moderation of interviews. For instance, <laughs> one thing you will require um, sharper editing of the news in the case of, of published news. Um, of course, it is very ideal if we have uh, publishers and owners who uh, stay out of reporting. But you cannot do that, you know. Um, whatever democratic constitution you might have, it can only guarantee uh, plurality of the press and not the independence of the press. You know, you, you can, the press can only be as independent as there are uh, numbers of news organizations who are willing to, to somehow uh, try to be as independent as they can be. This is, this is how it is in the profession. These are realities. These are realities. But you know, what I am afraid of is that even candidates today have found a truly um, skillful way of messing things up so that uh, reporting would be messed up. So the, the idea is for reporters to make judgments more than ever now than before. You will have to make judgments. You make judgment on what to publish, what to broadcast, what to post. You know, and uh, and you must make a way for uh, for commentaries on the news, um, for explanations, for even for opinion, for for speculation in cases where not enough revelations are made. You know, th these are things that you 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 will need to do, or else the the, the voters will not really. The, the voters are more confused today than ever before. Uh, because of the technology and because probably of the uh, shortcomings of, 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 of news of, of, of the media themselves in okay. being able to make them understand how things are. Okay, Mr. Viral Santos and Professor Danny Arrow, thank you gentlemen for joining us again on the program. Thanks, Ian. Pleasure. We're going to take a quick break after the fact. We'll be right back.